But this time we will dismiss our children uh, with Kimberly and Mario to go to Kids Church. If you have not gotten a chance to get to know Kimberly and Mario, uh, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, they really like to go out to eat after church, and so if you want to take them out, I'm sure they would love uh, love that opportunity. Uh, but get to know them. Uh, I know we, we, we send them over there with the children and out of sight, out of mind, and you go pick up your children, and uh, they come home uh, with all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but take, take a few moments and get to know uh, Kimberly and Mario. Uh, that being said... Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Uh, we're going to uh, be reading Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, through Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 16. Uh, this parable that we're going to be looking at today is, is one of the more difficult uh, parables to, to stomach in the New Testament, just because it's not fair. Uh, one of the things that I hear as a dad, more than anything, is that's not fair. Uh, if you're a parent, you've heard that's not fair at least 300 million times by the time your children grow up, right? Well, let's go ahead and read the text. And uh, Matthew chapter 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 27, and we'll read through chapter uh, 20, verse 16. Then Peter answered and said to him, Behold! We've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit upon his glorious throne, will see you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And, those, and to those he said, you too go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. And again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went, found others standing. And he said to them, why have you, not, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you too, go into the vineyard. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard, said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired the first came, they thought that they would receive more. They also received each one a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have been born, who have borne the burden of scorching heat all day. But he answered and said to, one, to, he said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Daenerys? Take what is yours, go your way. 
But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Thus the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Let's pray. Father, as we read your text, as we see the infallible, inerrant word of God, Lord, we know within our hearts that you are not just, but you are gracious giving to us that which we do not deserve. Lord, may you speak to our hearts. May you convict us of our envy and our wickedness. Lord, may you deal with us as we have a sense of entitlement. May you speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's not fair. Nicholas comes to me and he says, Dad, it's not fair that Daniel gets to do this or that Daniel gets to do that. Dad, it's not fair that Anna gets to do this or that Anna gets to do that. Daniel comes to me and, Dad, it's not fair that I have to cut the grass and that Anna and Nicholas can stay inside and watch TV. Dad, it's not fair that I have to clean up my room and Anna and Nicholas don't have to clean up their room. We hear this over and over and over again as, as teachers, as teachers, as, as, as uh, adults, when you're dealing with children, this issue of justice, an issue of, of fairness comes up all the time because intrinsically we are wired to desire justice we want what's fair how many of us have gotten pulled over and given a speeding ticket and and the first thing that 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 we're thinking is man that guy just passed me up not five minutes ago doing at least 20 miles an hour faster than i was and here i get pulled over this is not fair right we, we don't like it when things are not fair. We, we feel like we've been gypped. We feel like that, we have been, that we've been taken advantage of. We feel like that we have not been dealt equitably. We, we don't like when things are not fair. Well, I pray that as we leave today, that we will have a right understanding of grace and that we will seek out grace rather than justice. I want to point out to us where this passage falls in the text. It's easy for us, it's easy for us to, whenever we're, whenever we're reading the text, to come across a parable like this and think that this parable stands on its own. And in a, in, in a very real way it does, but in a very real way it is contextually bound. Remember, Jesus has just begun dealing with with, he's just had this, this great contrast between the children and the rich young ruler. He's just dealt with that, that, that I will show grace to the children, those who the disciples and the Jewish people did not expect to receive grace, received grace. Those who the disciples and the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders and the Jews expected to receive grace, the rich young ruler, did not receive grace. And so Jesus is coming on the heels of this contrast. 
And he has said this. Let's, let's look back up. Let's look back up and see what Jesus had just told the rich young ruler. If you go back, <clears throat> if you go back to verse 21 in chapter, ni- uh, chapter 19, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But the rich young ruler bowed his head and he was grieved because he knew, because he knew that he had much wealth. And so he was not willing to forsake all. He was not willing to sell all his possessions and come and follow Jesus. But Peter pipes up in verse 27. And Peter says, well, we're good because we did that. Look at what he says in verse 27. And Peter answered and said to him, behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then is there for us? Peter is picking up on what Jesus has just told the rich young ruler. He says, if if what it takes to enter the kingdom of God, if what it takes to have treasure in heaven is to sell everything that you have and come and follow us and, and come and follow me, well, then I'm golden because I have done that. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus met Simon Peter on the side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, verse 18, we see this interaction. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea. Why? Because they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 20, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. He essentially says to Peter the same thing he said to the rich young ruler. Forget your current life, leave everything behind, and come and follow me. The difference is, is that Peter obeyed. The rich young ruler said, sorry, I love my stuff, my wealth, more than than you. And so Peter, remembering this episode, understanding that for three years I have been following Jesus, I I have forsaken everything that I have to follow Jesus, then I am golden. I want us to understand that Jesus' rebuke here And that Jesus' parable is pointed at two different groups of people. First of all, it's pointed at Peter and the disciples. And secondly, it's pointed at the Jewish people as a whole. Because who is the audience of the book of Matthew? The Jews. This is the only gospel where this parable is found. It's It's not in Mark, it's not in Luke, it's not in John. The only gospel where this parable is found is in the Gospel of Matthew, which tells us that it, is, that it is specifically to the Jewish people. So, Peter pipes up, and Peter is full of pride. Do you see that there in that text? Peter says, well, we have done this. We have forsaken everything to follow you. So we must be good. I am better than the rich young ruler because the rich young ruler was unwilling to do this. I am willing. I have done this. I've put my money where my mouth is. I have been able to to do exactly what you called the rich young ruler. So Jesus, tell me what I am going to get. Now, Jesus does speak to the treasure that Peter will receive. He speaks to to the the glorification that, that Peter will receive as a disciple, as one who will sit on the throne 
In Revelation, there, uh, there, there talks about there being 24 elders sitting on, on thrones, and, and I believe that, that the disciples will be one of those elders that are sitting upon the throne. And here, Jesus makes mention of that. But immediately following Jesus telling Peter, yes, yes, you're going to get yours, he rebukes him with this parable. And says, Peter, you are not entitled to anything. Peter hears sell everything and is filled with pride. But I want us to remind, I want to remind us that God is not concerned with what we do as much as he is concerned with our heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. We see as, as Samuel is anointing the next king of Israel, God speaks to Samuel and says, Do not look at the appearance of this height or statue. Because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It is not what we do that God is as concerned with as our heart. And here, Peter is concerned about what we do. I have done X, Y, and Z. And Jesus reminds him through this parable, Jesus reminds him that I am more concerned with your heart. We all have a sense of justice within us. It's not fair. How many of you know life is not fair? How many of you have ever been the recipient of circumstances in your life that just don't seem fair? Anybody? I'm going to put a series of pictures up here and I'm going to explain just a little bit about what's not fair. The first picture that I'm going to put up is a picture of uh, Jennifer Broussard. And many of you may recognize uh, this is Elijah, uh, this is Amaya, and this is Javen. Those are Jennifer's children. Jennifer was a kindergarten teacher here at our school. She got pregnant with Javen. And as she got pregnant, they found out that she had pancreatic cancer they treated her for about a year and a half to two years and she died and she left Amaya Elijah and Javen without a mom my kids are roughly the same age as Elijah Amaya and Javen it's not fair that those kids' mom died. And my kids have a mom. It's not fair that Amaya, Elijah, and Javen, Javen has no memory whatsoever of his mom. He was under, he was a year old when she passed away. Elijah has very little memory, mostly the stories that we tell. It's not fair. It's not fair that, that a mom who loved her kids was striving to give them the best life, put them in the best environment possible. It's taken far too young. The next picture is another family, another member of our church. We know 
Chris and Janae and Reese. You may not recognize him because his hair's not pink. <clears throat> Janae loves kids. Chris loves kids. If you spend any moment with, with Janae or Chris, you know that they love children. They've always got children that aren't even theirs hanging around with them. And, and many of us don't know that after they had Reese, they had another child, Benjamin. And Benjamin was born with a genetic defect called trisomy 13. And Benjamin died just hours after being born. And for years and years and years, Janae and Chris tried desperately to have more children, even exploring other options. And, and by the sovereignty of the Lord, they were not given any more children. It's not fair. It's not fair that the two people who love kids as much as they love kids and, and who have a desire, deep desire to be mom and to be dad are not able to have children. When there are so many who are unfit and don't want children are, are, are having children and, and, and giving them up for adoption or, or having children and, and, and just, just allowing them, using children as leverage for, for, for money and resources and, and being, being unfit parents and, and sending children into the care of the state. It's not fair. This last picture, you may not be able to tell from the picture, but this is Dell with his three girls, and this is Dell before his accident. And Dell was one of those men before his accident that would work 24 hours a day. Strong, had a work ethic that, that was rivaled by, by no one. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, whenever we had to, after Hurricane Katrina, we had to re-roof the other sanctuary, or the other uh, uh, church, and Dell worked a 12-hour shift, and after he got off his 12-hour shift, he drove straight from work to the church, spent all day up on the roof in the hot sun, roofing and shingling and carrying and, and nailing, and then left, left the church and went straight back to work. Never sleeping. And this is the Dell. This is the Dell that, that Evangeline and Eleanor and Emma Catherine, this is the dad that they knew. This is the husband that Crystal knew. And then he's, he's involved in an accident where the steering column on his truck freezes up. And of no fault of his own, rolls his 18-wheeler and is injured to the point where he's unable to work, where his body physically will not allow him to work, where he's no longer able to provide for his family. He's no longer able to pick up his girls, not that he could pick them up now. He's no longer able to, to, to be the father and the husband that he deeply desires to be. It's not fair. It's just not fair. I want to remind us that God's grace is both surprising and sovereign. I want us to understand this. No one, no one receives what they deserve. 
no one receives what they deserve, but some receive far more. D.A. Carson said this, Do you really, really want total, effective, instantaneous justice? Then go to hell. God's grace is both surprising and sovereign. I want us to hear through this parable, I want us to hear through this parable what the Jews would have heard. If you're a Jewish hearer, you're a Jewish listener, what would you have heard when you hear this parable? You hear there's someone who shows up first thing in the morning, they show up at 6 a.m. and they work all day and they receive a day's wage. You, show, you, you see the, the second group of people show up at 9 a.m. and they work the majority of the day and they receive a day's wage. Someone shows up at noon, they work half the day, they receive the day's wage. You see someone who shows up at 3 o'clock and they work from 3 to 6 and they receive a full day's wage and you see someone that shows up at 5 and they work for one hour and receive the same wage as the person who works 12 hours. And even in our, even in our 21st century understanding of, of, of everything, we would look at this parable and we would say it's not fair. It's not fair that the people who work one hour get paid the same amount as the people who work all day. It's just not fair. God's grace is both surprising and God's grace is sovereign. I want us to hear what the Jews would have heard. The Jewish people at this point in the time of Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel was written probably somewhere around uh, 70, 80 AD. So this is on the end of Paul's missionary journeys. This is after the church at Ephesus, the church at uh, Thyatira, the church at Rome. Many of these churches have already been flourishing, have already seen many hundreds and thousands of converts, many of which are Gentiles many of which are not Jews. And so what you're hearing and what you're seeing if you're a Jew is you are seeing people who have never given any allegiance to God whatsoever in their entire life, their ancestry, their fathers, their father's fathers, no one in their life, no one in their family has ever followed the God of Israel and now they're coming unto salvation and they're receiving grace and they're receiving inclusion into the body of Christ, into the kingdom of God and they haven't done anything. Where we as Jewish people have received the covenant of Abraham, we have, we have been given the law, we have spent our entire lives, our entire family's lives trying to follow the law, trying to keep these dietary restrictions, trying to, to, to maintain, maintain the ceremonial law, maintain the civil law, maintain all these laws, and all the while, all the while these Gentiles can do whatever they want to do. We, as Jewish people, have suffered under exile. We've suffered under the, the captivity of the Assyrian people and under the captivity of the Babylonians. We have seen Jerusalem and the temple destroyed now twice. Once by the Babylonians and then in 70 AD by the Romans. We have seen the God of Israel be mocked over and over again. We've been the one who have received the covenant, not the Gentiles. Why is it that the Gentiles get to receive grace and get to receive the same benefit that me as a Jewish person have received? I've been following God my entire life. It's not fair 
that somebody who comes in in the 11th hour, that the thief on the cross receives the same grace that I receive. It's not fair. Why? Because the Jews saw salvation as something God owed them. We've kept the law. Our ancestors have have paid the price. We have kept the sacrificial system. We've suffered under exile. We've been the people of covenant. We were the people of promise. God owes me this. There was a sense of pride in their salvation. That somehow they have earned their salvation. I want us to understand this, church. God doesn't owe us salvation because of something we've done. He gives us salvation despite of everything we've done. God doesn't owe us salvation because somehow we have garnered favor from God. He gives us salvation despite everything that we have done. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Romans, chapter 5. In the book of Romans, Paul lays out the gospel. Verse, chapter 5, verse 20 we see Paul reminding the church that God's grace increases where sin increases. It says the law came in that transgression, and the law came in that the transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. As we read this parable in Matthew There is something that is intrinsically not fair about this. It's not just. It's not right. Because those who work one hour receive far more than they deserve. That's not justice. But I want to remind us that God is just. He is fair. You say, well, preacher, how do we square this idea? How do, we, how do we wrap our brains around the justice of God and the grace of God? Because, because here in this parable, it doesn't seem fair. I look at these pictures, and it doesn't seem fair. Why is it that, that Jennifer's children have to grow up without a mom? Why is it that, that Benjamin was taken at such an early age and, and wasn't able to live a, a full life? Why is it that... that Dell and his family have to know the majority of, of his adulthood as, as someone who is handicapped and someone who is disabled rather than someone who is strapping and strong and able to do. It's not fair. What is fair was poured out upon the cross. God is just. But His justice was satisfied on the cross of Calvary. His justice was poured out on Christ that we might receive grace. Church, I want us to hear this. God understands that the wages of sin is death. And for God to be just, 
Let me go back and remind you of D.A. Carson's quote. He said, do you really want nothing but total, effective, instantaneous justice? Then go to hell. Because we are all guilty of sin. Romans chapter 3 says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6 says the wages of that sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God the just saw our predicament. He saw the wage that we owed. He saw the penalty that was due us. He saw our depravity. He saw the condition of our heart. And he knew that we did not have the ability to pay. And so God himself came down and took on the form of a man. John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that the word became flesh and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when John saw the word made flesh topping the hill in John chapter 1 verse 29, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus came and God became flesh, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, that God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Our sin, my sin, your sin was laid upon Christ. And the justice of God was satisfied. Because the justice of God must be satisfied because God is just. The payment for sin must be made. And it was. Fully. And as Christ hung on the cross... I want us to realize this, church. As Christ hung on the cross, the full weight of divine wrath and judgment was poured out upon him. And he took the cup of divine wrath and drank every last drop and turned it over and said, It is satisfied, finished, paid in full. The justice of God was satisfied that he might dispense to us not what we deserve, but grace. So when we see pictures, when we know stories, it's not fair. It's not fair when my dad died two years ago first thing my little girl said is Paul never got to take me hunt he promised he was going to take me hunt and that part inside of me says that's not fair But understanding the grace of God, I say, oh, but it's so much more than just. It's grace. Because he may have never taken my daughter hunting, but on that glorious day, when my daughter dies, 
placing her faith in Christ and only in Christ, she is going to stand in glory. And not only is she going to see Jesus, but she's going to see my dad. And that's grace. So much greater than sitting in a deer stand with her grandfather. She is going to be standing in glory with her grandfather, worshiping the throne, worshiping the King of Kings, which is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. I am so thankful that God's grace is so much greater than His justice. And that we are the recipients, not of God's justice, but we are the recipients of God's grace. And this morning, church, let us not long for the justice of God, but let us be thankful for the grace of God. Justice was poured out that we might receive grace. None of us receive what we deserve. Some of us receive far more. This morning, you deserve wrath, judgment, justice. God has given you grace through Jesus. Let's pray. God, your grace is surprising. We don't know why you demonstrate grace to some and not to others. We don't know why We don't know why according to our sense of justice some things don't seem fair. But we can say with Job Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. We can say with Samuel, you do not look at the outward, but you look at the inward. We can say with Jesus, knowing that your kingdom is not of this world. Well, may we not be caught up in the things of this world, May we focus our eyes upon Jesus. There's some of you here this morning. And the grace of God has just been revealed to your heart in such a way that you are overwhelmed by his lack of justice and his abundance of grace. If you've never trusted Jesus, I want to invite you to come this morning. Just like Ed, that you come and you say, I need to give my life to this man, this Jesus, who gave his life for me. Maybe you need to follow the Lord by being baptized, being obedient. Maybe you need to make Redeemer your church home. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, may you be obedient. As we sing this song of invitation, may you be invited to rest in the grace of God.
Father, may your Holy Spirit have the freedom to work in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.